yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. The good guy coming last place. Smell that dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. Alright, welcome to Say Hello to the Bad Guy. I'm your host, Locke, and this is the podcast where we drink, smoke, and bullshit about the life of a historic criminal. Now we're talking outlaws and gangsters. We're not going to cover too many serial killers. That's just a little bit dark for me, and this ain't no true crime podcast. Honestly, you can't call this a history podcast, because I'm no historian. I'm just a history fan that does some research and bullshits about it with his friends. So speaking of my friends, let me introduce you to my co-host. All right, so first with us today, we've got J-Bone. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Back in the saddle again, we got DC. What up, doe? Welcome back to the podcast, guys. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. Glad to be back, especially <laughs> with all the madness going on. DC, what uh, what do you got to drink over there? I don't want to tell you because you're going to be disappointed. You're going to say bad things about me as usual because I'm the dark beer guy, and as usual... You brought a cream stout. <laughs> <laughs> I have a Lagunitas. Uh, that actually doesn't bother me because it's throwing it back. The first time we ever started doing drinks on the show is you had a <laughs> Lagunitas. So it's... That it's, works. It's kind of show canon at this point. <laughs> well, and I brought a stout and I brought an IPA for later too. So whichever way you went, dark beer or uh, nice. IPA, I was going to be ready to roll. He nice. sees you and raises you, <laughs> even though that's not a thing. All right, so uh, J-Bone? I went with a Modelo Chilada. Now, a Chilada, for the fans at home don't know, it's a Mexican drink. It's where you take a beer, and then you add Clamato, which is clam juice and tomato juice. It's Mm -hmm. very good. This is the picante one, little spice on the end of it. The best is to take, you know, your own clam juice and your favorite beer, but Modelo's a good beer, so it's already, like, a pre-mix, you know. Budweiser, it's pretty common. Like a lot of the Mexican beers, uh, Tecate, they all have their own version of this. But well, you you like the clamatos, right? You drink. Yeah, yeah, I like uh, some drinks with the clamato juice. Like my grandparents had a bar as a kid, and like uh, ah. so clamato was a thing. And like I thought, like it sounds like it would be gross clam juice and tomato, like but kind of grows on you. And it's very diverse. You can make a, a wide variety of drinks with it, not just the. Uh, famous chilada but it's like a it's like a beer drinker's bloody mary exactly exactly it's the sister to bloody mary yeah really you can even some some real like uh gourmet type bloody marys will have a splash of clamato in it Mm. so i got the the big lakes brewing the vanilla captain's porter good beer i'm a porter fan so i like porters you know the only problem with porters for me a lot of them taste like slightly watered down stouts you know that's just us being real beer aficionados because like man after seven to 19 of them man we could be drinking (laughs) some natty daddies well see that's what's funny to the point of me saying i like porters though if i don't want something really heavy like a stout but i want something that tastes stout is like your guinness is a stout I would go with a porter. Mm-hmm. So it's like you have your different levels yeah. of, you know, how heavy do I want to feel? Do I want to feel like I just drank something that felt like I ate a whole large pizza? That's your stout. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, or do I just want a burger and a fry? That's your porter. <laughs> no, notice neither of them was a salad. No, <laughs> no. Know? That's your um, very light um, 
what's what's those drinks the like uh um water like seltzer water a alcohol. white cloth yeah that's that's your salad i'm you gonna right. skip that <laughs> yeah the white claws of salad i uh i drank white claws uh most of the summer and i didn't lose a single pound so fuck that bullshit i'm back to the porters <laughs> All right. Well, before we get started, real quick, I want to make sure I want to thank Six Fo Swaino for letting us use his music in the intro. And then you can follow us on Instagram at Bad Guy Podcast. And while you're on Instagram, go to a uh, friend of the show, Cancer. He did our cover art, and he's got his page, Eyes Bleed Defiance, on Instagram. His photography, his graphic design, his art. Uh, so go check that out. And then he also did the song in our mid-roll blood on his album grenades pistols and rape whistles so we'll go ahead and get started and the bad guy that we're going to be covering today is kenny wagner this ain't negotiation time this is scarface final scene fucking bazookas under each arm say hello to my little friend does he stay around the block <laughs> that name just sounds so local like Right. I think everybody in this room went to school with a Kenny Wagner yeah. somehow. <laughs> well, he has quite a few AKAs up there. And the one that I love, two guns. It's like, uh, you know, two chains, really gangster brother. <laughs> you know, his name's Kenny and one of his nicknames is Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, AKA. It's William Kenneth Wagner, AKA Kenny, AKA the Texas Kid, a.k.a. Two Guns. I mix them up, be Kenny the Kid. Two Guns. So we'll already start talking about movies DC hasn't seen. <laughs> no, you're going to say Tombstone. I've absolutely seen it. No, uh, Two Guns. You were going to say, oh, it was a movie called Two Guns? Yeah. Yeah, um, I haven't seen it. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, Mark Wahlberg and Denzel Washington. Never seen it. It's, it's pretty good. You pointed out to Kenny. He mostly went by Kenny Wagner. A lot of the research will pop up under Kenny. I found a resource straight from, like, a member of his family. I said it was always Kenny. They're just... From pr- Texas, so it's Well, yeah, they're from, they're from down south, so it's people, you know... I was making that joke. Was that really what you were going to say? It's yeah, just... it was just an accent. It was, it was always Kenny. It's just how it sounded. It... So we needed subtitles for that? Like, <laughs> no, that's just how we say Kenny down here. Like, Kenny? Like, Kenny, Kenny? It's the same fucking... Kenny Wagner was born... William Kenneth Wagner on February 18th, 1903 in Scott County, Virginia. He was one of eight kids. Always the big families. Always the big families. So well, he's probably number four, I'd have to say. The, like that middle-ass mm-hmm. trouble-starting kid. Well, see, this is what I learned from all the bad guy podcasts. Don't have more than three kids or one of them is going to be a criminal that we're going to have to do a podcast on. Get that one family, like, four of them were cops, and the fifth one was the gangster. Like, damn, bro. Well, you know, honestly, it makes a lot of sense, though, because if you're just playing the odds, when you have that many kids, there's a solid chance that, you know, one of them will be a criminal, one yes. of them will be a doctor, one of them, you know, anything. Like, you're playing the odds once you start having so many. So before we dive into that, like, when I mention, like, making a joke, like, oh, Kenny, that's just how they talk, and you say, yeah, he's down south. So they're from down south, from Bucksnort, Virginia, or wherever, like, how did he get the name Texas Kid if they're not from Texas? We'll get there. See, okay. <laughs> no, I just you could tell yeah. me that if it comes up in the story. Like, if we were just leaving the name page and then go yeah. in and that never comes up again. Like... Yeah, as anytime a guy's – okay, usually if a guy's got one nickname, 
it, it'll be kind of obvious where it comes from or whatever. But anytime a guy has a series of nicknames, it's always when he got at, to the at new some town, point the they, new name they, comes. they developed over time. As always, it's always ridiculous. Like the, the the reasoning is always silly. Well, yeah, Kenny just being how hillbilly say Kenny is like just well, and he is that really a separate nick, nick, nickname or is that just how they say Kenny? Like, so Kenny Wagner is literally a hillbilly. I know some people could say like what it's a derogatory term. No, but it's, he's they're from, proud of that. Yeah, no. Well, he's from the Appalachian Mountains in Virginia, so he's literally a hillbilly, like. <laughs> And they call he's, he's mountain they, folk. like a hillbilly. That's not calling them like a redneck or anything. Like a hillbilly is what they they're right. hill folks, you know. So growing up in the Appalachian Mountains, he learned he grew to know each ridge and hollow like the back of his hand. At the age of seven, his dad bought him his first firearm. It was a single shot twenty two rifle. And at a very young age, he earned a reputation as a crack shot that could hit anything he could see. Nice. Got to start him young, especially you figure. Being raised out there in the mountains, I mean, not a lot to do in the past time. So, you know, probably getting the kid a gun, teaching them how to shoot. That's a that's a way to, one, teach them how to have a little fun. But, two, that's going to be something you'll be able to make a living with later on. Survival so, skills. Absolutely. You'll be able to get, you know, pelts or, you know, like hunt. You know, you, that's where they don't take derogatory, the hillbilly thing. Like, that's, look, at seven years old, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Well, I mean, and we're talking early 1900s so we're just coming out of you know what even is school what are you talking about (laughs) go to a job you're just gonna Mm -hmm. cut down that tree and then make yourself a house and then you know what i mean you just live here in these appalachians with us you know you start making your moonshine now boy (laughs) (laughs) he was always a adventurous kid looking for some more you know action looking to get you know some excitement in his life at the age of 16 years old he left home and he joined the Richards Brothers Circus. Hmm. This is like the what the second person we've had that joined the circus. Was it? Yeah, we did had somebody else that joined the circus. I had to go back and listen to the episode. Find yeah, out. I know who you're talking about. I don't. I can't place the, the name. Well, I mean, there's so many things that you know. I could narrow you down a gangster real quick. Start <laughs> finding. You know, we, we don't got to go big family. We could place big family with alcoholic dad. Yes. <laughs> you know, like there's there's like these True. certain, there's like an algorithm that we could slap together True. to build us a gangster real quick. <laughs> Traveling circus people had a reputation for being a, a rough group. He was only 16 years old. So at a young age, he learned how to fight. He started off as a laborer and an animal trainer. And he moved up to become a performer. The, the Richards Brothers Circus, one of their biggest attractions was a Bronco by the name of Funeral Wagon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. He replaced Widowmaker. <laughs> so, Fuck. Well, you know, when he was still just a le- kind of working his way up one time, the, the guy that would primarily ride fumer- Funeral Wagon was injured and couldn't perform that night. And none of the other guys that rode the Broncos were willing to do it. So Kenny Wagner was like, well, I'll ride it. So he goes out and he rides Funeral Wagon. And the big pitch was he was the Bronco that's never been rode for more than 10 seconds. So not only did Kenny do it, the manager started freaking out and started, like, signing for him, like, get off the fucking horse. Well, because once you bust it, like, yeah. once you bust a Bronco, it's be, you could put a saddle on it and start training it. Like, there's no more. He's, Funeral Machine's not going to act like that no more. Like, that's a real machine. <laughs> 
So he falls off the horse, and the management, for one, they're really excited that they found a new rider. But they also told him, You owe us a new Bronco. He said, You're never allowed to ride. He basically said, You can never tell anybody again that you rode a funeral wagon for more than 10 seconds. And from now on, moving forward, you never will. Yeah, that, you figure that messes up the sales pitch. Everybody's coming to see the Bronco that you can't ride for more than 10 seconds. And here's a guy on for 20 seconds. I want my money back. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> we all been there on Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. You want to see Gravedigger come dig some gr- Not like, damn, man, he flipped off that little car. Like he, <laughs> damn, he's he rolled over. He's done. Oh, man, did you say when he first landed? He uh starts off as an animal trainer, then he's gonna. He has no experience, like getting their boy and training them tigers real good. Like, like, well, no, I mean, I thought I'd shovel some like elephant shit or something. I gotta like. What you mean I'm the animal trainer? I'm 16. I just I busted funeral maker. Now I can't tell nobody. Like, man, this circus is just like any other circus. Uh, I could have stayed home for this bullshit. Yeah. Once he became a performer. He was a Bronco Buster, and you'll see a lot of reports that also say he was a trick shot artist. But Kenny Wagner said he was never a trick shot artist. He would sometimes teach the trick shot artist tricks. It sounds kind of mm. like a trick shot artist to me. I mean, that's at least still pretty fucking good. Well, it sounds like he he probably had a good hustle somewhere going on in that. It's like you know, it's like saying you know, I'm not the best card player, you know. But I teach the best card players a lot of stuff, you know. It's well, like, from that same yeah. era, like uh, Annie Oakley and the like, the Bill Hickok and that, like they would toss the coin up behind them and do their trick shot. They they would always get mad when you say they were trick shot artists. They're like, no, we're putting on a display of skill. It's a gun show because mm. they didn't have like our you know Gibraltar Trade Center type gun mm-hmm. show. That was what they called a gun show. Yeah. So like I almost can see where he's saying, no, I'm not a a trick shot because it's almost like back then now it would be cool if i gave you the compliment of like you know mm-hmm. dc's a great trick shot you know mm-hmm. like yeah because i do all that shit back then it's like well, no you're taking away from the realism because i could flip the coin and shoot it behind my head with looking at a mirror but i can also blow your fucking head off if you're coming <laughs> in my house you know that's what i mean so don't call anything over here a trick yeah that's a good point because it I would feel different if I've learned Now, in our skills. vocabulary, trick would be more except back then. It's like, well, no, you're taking away from my, you know. <laughs> right. If I learn skills and these skills that I learned that are really applicable to all the stuff we talked about before, whether it's uh, hunting, doing that real stuff, and I've gotten so good at it that I can do things that wow people, it's just because I'm really good. I'm not just some guy out practicing tricks. So, yeah, it makes yeah. sense. I'm not a trick shot artist. I'm a good shot. Okay? <laughs> what are you talking about? Once he became a performer, since most of his gang uh, revolved around riding and shooting, he became an act with the Richard Brothers Circus known as the Texas Kid. Ah, uh-huh. there's that question. Yeah. It wasn't that he was from Texas. It's not that he ever went to Texas. It's because it's it's marketing. Like, nobody wants to say, hey, uh, the, Virginia, you know, the Virginia mountain boy. Like, uh, no, Texas Kid. That's The Texas Kid's going to ride funeral wagon. Well, you see, buy tickets for that in the 1900s. Well, we just mentioned it too. Like that's how the West was won. They were they were having traveling shows where you could see Wild Bill and them get chased by real Indians. <laughs> if that's not like race suspected, yeah. like but uh, like you you were just coming out. All, all, this is before all the cowboy movies mm-hmm. were made, which was its own genre. So like yeah. so the marketing of the Richards brothers, who were probably trying to be like the big Ringling brothers, like that's great. To, you would call them the Texas Kid mm-hmm. or Tex or. 
Well, see, now I'm a little bit disappointed. I was hoping he got that <laughs> name from some shootout in Texas, and then he took over everything, and they're like, he's not even from here, but he's the Texas kid. See, I was hoping for yeah. something very grand. <laughs> very Texas-esque. Everything's exactly, bigger Exactly. Very grand, but... Well, I he shot I'll the marshal, and that's how he became the sheriff <laughs> exactly. of this town. Like, yes, that's how Texas, that's... Nope. He he joined the circus as a fucking animal trainer, and next thing you know, he's the Texas kid. But for the people at home, though, that's kind of badass, though. Like, you just get there at 16, like, you know, hey, you're you're the best guy we have to train the animals. I'm not getting in there with the fucking lions. Go ahead, dude. Take that little stick. Like, what? So over the next couple of years, he was a huge hit with the circus. He made a ton, ton of money. He ended up, he was six foot two, 260 pounds, and he was known as a charming, good-looking ladies' man. Texas kid slides into town. <laughs> well, you Big burly the, motherfucker to hit on your ladies and shit. The rough and tumble group. That looks like, you know, what modern day carnies would look like now. Like, <laughs> he looked a little bit presentable. Like, hey, that Tex, he's got all his teeth. Girl, you better get on to him. <laughs> so, he gets sick of the circus life. And then, right around that time, Prohibition starts. Late 1919. Once Prohibition started, he left the circus. He moved to Mississippi where he began making and selling moonshine. That's right. Well, that's where his family was the whole time he was out here. He's out there playing with elephant shit, boy. Been here making this what, white lightning. <laughs> he saw an opportunity. got to hop in at the right hey, time. Hey, he went and had his experience. That'd be like a modern-day person going to join the Army or Navy for a few years and come on home to, like I said, make the moonshine, boy. His way to go see the world a little bit. Like, yep. you know, growing up in those mountains, probably nobody else ever been off that fucking mountain, let alone... You know, go travel town to town. So, yeah, probably. Mama, I've been all the way to Oklahoma. Like, that's only three states away, bro. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> but like he said, that was the whole world back then. He like, oh, yeah. He's an international man. He's been down more than dirt roads, okay? He became one of the biggest Mississippi moonshiners in the early 20s. But everything kind of switched up in 1924 when he got arrested in Loosedale, Mississippi for stealing a watch. Now, the question is, if he's doing good with moonshine, which you know the prices had to be through the roof because it's prohibition, why the hell is he still in the watch? Till the day he died, he always claimed that he was framed by a local sheriff who was dirty, that he was in the moonshine business with, and that the sheriff set him up to cover up his involvement in the area bootlegging when FBI started to look into it. I like that story better. I'm rolling yeah, with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm believing uh, Tex. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fucking dirty cop. Believing old two guns. Like you said, the logic tracks, because mm-hmm. when you were, like you said, basically a traveling carny, you weren't stealing mm-hmm. watches. Now all of a sudden you're going to go start like a big criminal empire and then steal a watch on the side? And when you're out deep in the Appalachian, you know what I mean? You know when the sun's beating on this part of your forehead that it's this time. You know, They don't even really use watch. You know what I mean? Uh, it's... What, what, ti- what time is it? It's, it's about that time, you know? When it's do 19- you get up when the rooster says so, you know? It's 1934 over there. They didn't even know World War II happened yet. He gets arrested. While he's waiting trial, he overpowered the jailer, stole his gun and his horse, and then fled. Bounced See how fuck- Rambo's like, ancestors were started. Like, <laughs> No dirt bike to steal. He just beat up the police station and took a gun and a horse. Like, I'm out. That's the number one thing I love about these stories. How easy it was back in those days to get away from cops. Like, oh, I jumped out of a window. Oh, I just rustled a guy, took his keys. Oh, I, it's like the, the things that you hear 
of how easily people got away. It's like, it was that easy? Some, I would have been a criminal, too. Some yeah. parts are almost like he's reading a child's book. Like, well, he waited for him to go to sleep and then walked out the unlocked <laughs> cell. Like, oh, dog, come on, my man. Well, he was 6'2", 260. <laughs> Most other people weren't. Maybe. That guy tried to arrest him. He said, no, sir. Here's your gun. Give me that gun. Give me your horse. Get the fuck on. You have to figure probably, that's a good point. 6'2", 260 was probably giant back then. I mean, granted, everybody's 260 nowadays because everybody's fat. Right. But back then, even the height, a circus they were a lot guy, of shorter, uh, though. Yeah, I agree. Like five, but, but you figure he had to be fit. He was working in a circus and everything. Six two two six. He was probably a huge guy for those days. Yeah. Well, he came from the genes of just farm bred. Like those people are hardworking mm-hmm. people in the hills, because yes. you, like he said, you chop down a tree and make mm-hmm. your house. Absolutely. And then there's no piggly wiggly in the middle of the forest you <laughs> go kill and skin and fucking yeah. do whatever for the meat you, and then you, you make a coat out of that fucking deer or whatever you know what i mean you, you really can't be fat right it's not a fat it's not it's not a lifestyle conducive to being a fat person you're hogging all the swamp rats again because you're getting fat like man we all weigh 80 pounds out here man so he takes off on the horse they put together a posse and on christmas eve 1924 the posse tracked him down to a shack where he was hiding out. And then in the ensuing shootout, Kenny Wagner killed Deputy Murdoch McIntosh before escaping. How long was he on the run? A week. It was the original posse. Uh, he broke out of prison, grabbed the guy's horse, bounced out. They put, put together. Yeah, he went right back home. He shoots Murdoch McIntosh. He, he goes back to the Appalachian Mountains where he grew up. Smart. Uh, Mississippi put out a thousand dollar reward for him, dead or alive. Thousand mm, dollars. So, you know, I like to find out what was a thousand dollars in what nineteen twenty four? You mm-hmm. said what was a thousand dollars in nineteen twenty four? What 10, is that equivalent 10 to? Ten to twelve today? grand now, probably. It's mm, a low wage for me to turn somebody in. Need a lot more than that. Uh-oh. I think Locke's doing some research. Well, but better, better than that, though, look, if you want to go into, like, hey, this grizzly bear came into town a bit, they're not, nobody was going into them mountain. Like I said, that's the first guerrilla warfare. Who's going, even for a thousand bucks in 1924 money, like, you're not going to have the capability. A thousand dollars is about 15,000 now. Mm. I don't know. That's still yeah. not, a, I don't know. That, nah. I'm not even going to flinch for it. that. For what you're not up against. It. Yeah. I guess based on those times, you know, can I buy a farm or something with that? Like, how can I stretch my fifteen thousand? What what can I buy it? Well, time? you feed yourself until you go get it done. Like that's their equivalent of going to get Bin Laden. Like, man, I don't know what KV's in up there. It's the nope. same setup as <laughs> Afghanistan. Like, the Appalachians run from like just in the state of New York all the way down almost to Georgia, like Georgia, Florida. Like, it's a long vein of mountains. And they have a lot of caves and, like, you know, like... Right, and he grew up in them, and you didn't. Yeah. Like, you're just going to go chase him up into those mountains? It well, sounds like a bad idea. I agree. Plus, I don't like anything named Appalachian State ever since that time they beat Be- Michigan. When they came up to the big house and pooped all over our field. <laughs> yes, exactly. I, I get a little twitch every time I got to say that word. <laughs> why, why you got to bring... Why you always bringing up old shit? <laughs> Now my mood just changed. I'm sick of these cousin fuckers. I'd go in there for five bucks and get his ass now. Let's do it. Get him. He was pretty fine hiding out there. And then eventually, on April 13th, 1925, he hadn't seen his family in quite a while. 
and his youngest sister was about to graduate high school, which she would have been the first person from his family to graduate. She was supposed to be real smart or whatever, and, you know, I guess none of them ever graduated, so it was a big deal, and he wanted to go see his family and meet up with his sister. They found, like, a neutral rendezvous kind of between where he was hiding out and where his family was from. They agreed to meet up at the Holston River near Kingsport, Tennessee. A local Kingsport sheriff got word that Kenny Wagner was going to be around the Holston River at that time. So he put together a posse, and there was a quote when he was leaving town. Somebody asked him if they needed to get the cell ready, and he said, no, get a casket ready. Damn. No, he said, no need, get a casket ready. Straight Clint Eastwood there, like, <laughs> when he walks into town, and make three coffins. <laughs> now, this is my question. How did they, how did this word get around, like, you know, um, was it like a little pigeon, like with the, you know, little thing around his neck, you put a note in it, like, hey, so your sister's graduating. Oh, I've been on hideout all this time, you know, from the circus and then jumping over here to Mississippi and bootlegging. And I'm up here in the mountains, but I'm not by you all because I don't want to get caught. How does the word get around well, through the mountains? Think of it like this, that like right now you think one of them small ass in the middle of the state, Tennessee towns, right? Mm-hmm. Probably population of 804 which is kind of crazy small right now (laughs) we have high schools with more people than that in them Mm -hmm. but 1925 population of 25 people Mm -hmm. one of them knows the pretty little girl graduating she heard about the party cousin snickers coming down text gonna come (laughs) up you know what i mean like they didn't have a intricate spy network but not much came through that town Mm -hmm. i bet so like big news like hmm the one girl that has all her teeth and gonna graduate is kin to him Ken to Kenny, so <laughs> Kenny's gonna come on. I bet you he might be at this party. You want I should open up the cell? No, make a coffin. I got this. Like, so you're saying they did not send a note via mountain lion? They could have. They could have. I, I would say I, I would have guessed uh, more uh, smoke signal. I was thinking smoke signals. <laughs> Due to his familiarity with the area, even though they were sneaking up on him, he got the drop on them. Because at some point they had to try to approach him on foot in an area that he had been at for a while. Problem was, it was he was around his family. So the shootout started while his family was still around. When he seen the deputies approach in, he took the first two shots. First shot, he shot Officer George Frazier in the face. And then killed Officer George Smith. And then, in the ensuing shootout, he also killed Deputy Sheriff Hubert. Now, the first guy, the guy who shot in the face, George Frazier, actually ended up living, but he was shot in the face. Mm-hmm. After the third guy was shot, the posse took off. Kenny Wagner was quoted as saying, I could have killed every last one of them, but I don't shoot men in the back. Mm-hmm. And that lens to earlier, not making fun of, like, no, I don't mm-hmm. do trick shots. Mm-hmm. I did that. That guy that got it in the face probably got it on the face because he knew they was going to retreat. You go tell your friends where you got that, boy. <laughs> you go tell them. Tech sent you. Well, I'll say this. I mean, he definitely sounds like a good shot. We've heard of a lot of shootouts with different guys, and you know, maybe one guy gets killed or whatever. Every shootout, he's killing somebody. Every time. <laughs> Every time. Yeah. I, right I here, it's him. a barbecue. You got auntie here, mom here. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. 
He just <laughs> <laughs> these guys are moving on hoard. That's a hard shot mm-hmm. to to make now in 2025, more or less 1925. You know, like well, I mean, first two shots, two hits. You know what I mean? Exactly. Three Drunk hits. The three. one guy's in the face, yeah. and I and then trust me, I put it in his cheek because I wanted to put it, in, and mm-hmm. I could have got the other four, but I don't shoot men in the back. Well, I mean, that's kind of you know, in military terms. That's a casualty. Casualty doesn't ever, you know, you're either killed or you're wounded. A wounded is still a casualty, you know, because yeah. he's not. Yeah. He's not he's a non commission. He's, he's not, yeah. yeah. It's a very honorable, chivalrous, whatever you want to call it type thing. Well, because well, we, we've also covered a lot of guys that would shoot every one of those motherfuckers. Most in the guys back on the, a lot of away. the guys that <laughs> weren't being on this show would prefer to shoot you in the back, so. <laughs> I don't got to hear you fucking crying and praying and begging. I'm just going to fucking blow the back of your head off. Like, no witnesses. So he takes off, goes back into hiding, but then he decides they got the drop on me near my family. I don't, I don't want to put my family if in If I danger. socially distance forgive <laughs> from you guys, you might not get shot. They yeah. could come shoot at me. He went to a store in Waycross, Virginia, and surrendered to a local shop owner who was a family friend under the conditions that the guy would split the reward money 50-50 with his sister so she could go to college. Mm, right on. Right you know, so far, I'm not sure that we're doing a story on a bad guy. Yeah. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that. <laughs> well, I mean, except for when he shot, well, shot four cops. Killed three of them. Well, well, no. I mean, I look, I have a shootout policy. Uh, that's well, a lot of... Technically, he, he was framed, right? So yeah. let's start off there. That is true. He's an innocent man that's just trying to stay out here with his innocence, and they're coming to kill him. He's defending himself. <laughs> that he sounds true. like a good guy right now. I don't know what the rest of the story is, but so far... Well, especially... You trying to jump me at my little sisters? We having a get together? You're gonna have a shootout in front of little sister? Well, now, normally, you know, auntie is here. You, and you know, just normally, start shooting at people? exactly. I I always mention as soon as somebody kills a cop, it's they're down. But like this guy is unique to most of these stories because the cop that he starts off with is fucking doing shine with him. Like he's in the business with him. Of you know, he's on the wrong side of prohibition. So this dirty cop, if he set him up, you know what I mean. There's not much to say that these guys weren't dirt. The posse that's after him now weren't dirty cops with fucking LC Tubbs, fucking you know <laughs> the old sheriff back that's in town. True. So just uh, it's it's too premature to do. We're not voting on the shit now. It's nowhere near DefCon 30. But that was smart and honorable to make him split the fucking reward money with Ken, and then you know. I bet he said Ken. I said you, and you guys, oh, he did. You guys split that money because well, you go to any, Ken folk. You go to any Appalachian people right now. They're like, yeah, man, gonna come out and meet my Ken. Like, you what? <laughs> you my mom, my grandma, my, my oh, your family, Kenny. So I said my Ken. You also figure that was a safe way to turn himself in. You know, they're not just gonna shoot him as he's walking through the door because somebody's bring. Hey, I got him. I'm bringing him in. This is this is the guy that's wanted. You know. Well, especially when they're already leaving town, talking about, nah, don't even get a cell ready. We're just going to just go shoot <laughs> right, this guy. Exactly. Okay, I mean, they're gonna have to shoot out cops, shoot out with cops for the rest of my fucking <laughs> life. Or, yeah, this is my only way to peacefully get taken. They're never going to right. arrest. Which that point goes back to my point of, he's a good guy. Because they were coming to kill him. He knew what it was. So, looks like self-defense to me. I mean, once again, there's a lot more story to go. I'm not predicting the end, but so far, 
Especially, he's a good guy. Especially <laughs> if, okay, if the first cop you shoot is a quick cop that framed you, and mm-hmm. now you know these guys aren't coming to arrest you and give you a free tr- fair trial. They're, you know, Old West, 19th mm-hmm. century, Wild West posse coming for a lynching. They're coming to get well, someone. If it's still a good old boy network right now in mm-hmm. 2020, mm-hmm. in 1925, in the backwoods of backwoods, cops look out for each other now. Like, these dudes was all, like, you know. Exactly. And like we talked about before, back in those days, you know, it'd be like us sitting around. And I'm, I'm a cop. I'm a sheriff or something like that. And, you know, this guy shot my, my brother, right? right. Shot, shot, shot somebody. You guys are just my friends. We're drinking buddies. But now we got to go and get this guy, and there's a reward and everything else. And it's like, hey, you know, I really need some help to go get this guy. He's a good shot. And I know, hey, j I know you're a good shot. Locke, I know you. I can deputize you, man, right now. We can go on a ride and go get this guy. You ready? Okay, let's do it. And we have to. We have <laughs> you know, to because it's, it's that yeah. simple. <laughs> it's a small world right now, but back then, you know, like their brothers and friends Use a reference, the only rep movie reference I know that you can for sure get in Tombstone when they shoot out the OK Corral. It's a bunch of cops and Doc Holliday, mm-hmm. and they just tell Doc Holliday, well, I don't know, we're just deputizing you for this shootout, and you get the shotgun because you're the scariest one. He turns himself in. While he's on trial in Sullivan County, he escapes from the county jail and was immediately rearrested. But then he was found guilty and sentenced to death by electrocution and transferred to state prison. In 1925, on July 11th, he organized a group of prisoners. And while another group of prisoners was being brought in for a work detail, they jumped the guards, overpowered them, took their weapons, and ran off. Wow. <laughs> he staged a coup. Just, just like what we were talking about earlier. Another, <laughs> the exact same plan as earlier, he just brought in a couple mm-hmm. other guys. When they open that gate, let's all just jump them and grab their weapons and run away. <laughs> and it worked. But no guy in the gun tower, no nothing. Like, they just, that's crazy how these things work. Did they even have the big gun tower with the guy walking around in the 1920s? Yeah, See, Levin, so many Leavenworth, Leavenworth a lot of them type years. prisons were already built way, they you were? know, like okay. 1890s. Uh, I'm not saying this mm-hmm. one had a gun tower. I'm just saying, I thought in 1925... About 95 years ago, I thought we were past the point of, if we're going to break out of jail, we're going to have to do something more than just be physically a put Like, no, let's go tackle them, motherfucker. Like a football game. Like, just go fucking. Like, if we knock them all down real quick, I mean, what are they going to do? And it worked. I mean, they just, they bum-rushed some motherfuckers and got on. Like, well, what? So it was him and six prisoners. So, yeah, he just got six guys together. I'm guessing he picked the six other biggest he could find and just said, hey, yeah. you guys uh, want to beat the shit out of these guys and run out of here? Let's do it. This time he said, okay, I'm tired of getting caught. I got to get really, really out of here. Yeah, let me not run right back to the mountain. <laughs> so he, he flees to Mexico. I was going to guess California, close enough. It might have been. And At that time, right. In 1925, <laughs> I think it was still part of Mexico. Like, we hadn't settled that as a state yet, like. He goes to Mexico, starts earning a living, uh, robbing banks and trains. That's what everybody in Mexico did at <laughs> that time. You're good at what you're good at. You know, he's down there. He don't have like, hey, anybody want to watch the Texas kid? You got a Bronco that you need busted or something? Like, uh, no, we don't. Fuck it. I guess I'm just going to rob this bank. At then. this time, Pancho Villa would like to introduce his good friend, Kini. <laughs> 
he becomes one of the most notorious Mexican uh, train and bank robbers of the early of the late 1920s. Yes, Event- Kenny. Yeah, Kenny Wagner from Virginia. The most feared Mexican <laughs> cartel of that time. Like, he's no longer Kenny. He's two guns. <laughs> he's El Kenny. <laughs> Eventually generated so much heat after narrowly escaping uh, Posse, ended up having to return to the United States where he hid out in Arkansas. Then Mexico put a reward out for him for $2,500. Uh oh, we're getting into big money now. International fucking. <laughs> <laughs> now, is that $2,500? Pesos? US dollars or pe- <laughs> right, or pesos? <laughs> well, since since I'm a real American, every, everything to me translates to dollars. Like, I just. like. Like I everything I don't know what meters right, means dollars. I don't. To look. be fair to me in D.C. and the listeners at home, can you do the math on what in 1925 2,500 pesos would be? <laughs> 2,500 pesos. That's just like today. Uh, it's worth bucks. two dollars and fifty cents. <laughs> so it's he, worth two warm tecates. He actually wrote, wasn't really wanted at all. <laughs> While in Arkansas, in August 18, 1926. He ends up getting involved in a bar fight where he ends up killing two brothers, Will and Sam Carper. Now, at this point, he was a wanted man in Mississippi, Tennessee, Mexico, and Arkansas. And his only option was he felt like he was out of places to run at this point. So he didn't want to go back to the hills in a dangerous family. So he opted to turn himself in. There was an Arkansas female sheriff named Lily Barber. And the two of them were rumored to be having an affair. So he turned himself into Lily Barber. And she decided against trying him in Arkansas because in Arkansas, murder in cold blood was a capital offense. So instead, she opted to send him to Mississippi where he could get life in prison. Right, where he can get life in in prison Mm -hmm. for the original murder. What we're going to do, we're going to take a break real quick. We're going to go take a real quick smoke break, refill our drinks, and we'll be back in a minute. Just real quick, want to ask you to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. Go to Apple iTunes, give us a five-star rating, and leave us a review, and we'll read it on the show. If you have any questions, comments, or a guy that you would recommend we cover, you can email us 
at say hello to the bad guy podcast at gmail.com. We also want to thank Sixfo Sueno for letting us use his music in the intro. You can subscribe to him on YouTube and also a friend of the show, Cancer. He's got an art, photography, and graphic design page at Eyes Bleed Defiance on Instagram. You can see a lot of his work, including our cover art, which he designed. And he also performed the mid-show song, Blood, from his album, Grenades, Pistols, and Rape Whistles. Now back to the show. Alright, we're back. So, he had turned himself in in Arkansas. They had him off to Mississippi. In 1926, in Mississippi, he was sentenced to life to be served in the Parchman Farm, uh, Parchman Prison. Which is now, it's also known as MSP, the Michigan State Penitentiary. or Mississippi? Mis- the Mississippi State Penitentiary. <laughs> it's been in like a lot of movies and different songs it's been referenced in, stuff like that. The biggest one I would say, if you, you ever seen the movie Life with Eddie Murphy and yes, Martin Lawrence? I've seen that one. <laughs> that was uh, Parchment Prison. Ah. So that's the Mississippi State Prison. That's where they take your cornbread. <laughs> you eat your cornbread. <laughs> the movie Life was set in parchment prison even though it's filmed in california but it's been in a lot of different like I pop culture media and songs and stuff like that oh brother we're out though too yes i think that was actually the one i forgot to wrote down because i was like eh, nobody likes that movie but yeah oh oh brother we're... that was uh george clooney like yeah. in the old timey fucking prison playing uniform. banjos and whatnot while he was there he was a model prisoner and he was soon made a trustee he was put in charge of training the bloodhounds and he was also used by guards to help track escapees. So Parchment Prison was a maximum security prison, and it still is in Mississippi to this day. It's where they put their worst offenders. So he's a model prisoner, and then they would get these escapees, and they would let him, they'd give him a gun and put him on a horse, and then he would go out there with his dogs, and they'd go track down these escapees. And then at one point, they got such a comfort level with him, and in 1940, he took advantage of it, while they're out tracking an escape prisoner, he left with his horse. <laughs> he caught up to him and said, let's keep going, boys. Let's keep going. This way. And I know this would probably be a surprise to you guys, but he returned back to southwestern Virginia, the Appalachian Mountains. Well, this time it would make a little sense because it's not the same local skiffs chasing him around. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. These guys all the way from Mississippi are going to have to come up north a little bit and kind of know this mountainous terrain. And I'm sure he took the bloodhounds with him, so nobody's tracking them. And... You see, he put a little bit... Okay, he made it more of a long-term plan. It was like 13 years, right? Uh, Yeah, so he went in in 1926. He escaped in 1940. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, the plan was still run away (laughs) you know like these dummies gave him a gun and a horse and and all he did was he did it a couple times and they're like oh see he's cool you know kenny's cool well they got ultra complacent it seems like he was a deputy for the last 10 years and that was his retirement well i'm gonna go die out in the mountains (laughs) he ended up getting located and arrested in 1943 he was caught traveling in a car he actually wasn't caught the guy he was driving with got pulled over and he tried to bail and take off, and it turned into a bit of a shootout. Nobody got shot. I didn't include the picture, but there was a picture of the car shot up a little bit. He ended up surrendering. He had two thirty-eight revolvers, one on each side. So that's when he became known as Two, <coughs> two Guns. Two Guns Kenny. Two Guns. 
when they searched the car, they found two more 38 revolvers and a sawed-off 20 gauge that he had reloaded the buckshot with ball bearings. He so. meant business. Although I would have liked to have heard that the two guns were a little bit larger caliber than 38s, but I'll take it because he had two guns. Yeah. But, you know. When they searched his hideout, they found three more 38 revolvers, a 22 caliber pistol, two cal- two 22 caliber rifles, two 20 gauge shotguns, a 30-30 rifle, and 1,500 rounds of ammunition. Yeah, that's pretty adequate for, you know, 2020 times. Like, that's <laughs> pretty good on your prepping for 19... 19- 40. Well, and for the record, that was two 38s on them, two 38s in the car, and three, three, at, the hideout. three at the hideout. So you say you would elect a higher caliber. <laughs> Apparently, I mean, he knew what he, uh, who are we? He liked, thir- he I, liked a 38. I agree. If you're the, agree. so good, you're teaching trick shot artist tricks. And I agree. You dig the 38, by all fucking me, you've killed four cops in this story. You rocked the 38. Well, and he had 38s, he had three 20 gauges, three, tw- like, so he had to like those calibers, right? Because he had multiple of all of them. And I think that's easier to stop. When you got 1,500 rounds, it's easier to stockpile ammunition if you're buying for the same gun, too. But that's true. Yeah. But yeah, he liked his uh, 38s. So he was returned back to Parchman Prison because it was the worst prison they had. So they just had to send him back where he's already at. Within a year, he was made a trustee again and put in charge <laughs> of training the Bloodhounds. <laughs> Wow. I'm going to tell you what it is. He had to have been uh, like a very charming person. Like something about his personality just said, this guy is okay and I want to trust him because he has a history of breaking out of prisons, overpowering guards. The last time you made him a trustee, he escaped. He comes back and you make him a trustee. He was like, I was just playing. I had to go see my girl. You know, I, I was always coming back. You know, I believe you. How is she doing? <laughs> How's your sister graduate college? No, that's good, Kenny. <laughs> that's good. He'll be good this time. I feel like when you're made a trustee, the fact that you have broken out of any prison, you know, so you've now broken out of prison three or four times. I can't. I'm not even keeping track anymore. Right. <laughs> I lost count. But you specifically broke out of this, this prison, prison. Yes. while we were trusting you. Doing the job that we gave you now, and trust is in the word of your job, and we're going to give you the same job, <laughs> the same trust, the same... You know, it's going to take you another month to get your gun back, though. I'll tell you that right now, boy. <laughs> what? Well, now that was, they let him resume his, uh, his role as an animal trainer, so he had trained the bloodhounds, but they would not allow, he wasn't allowed to ride horses or touch firearms he wasn't a part of the posse no more yeah okay now they're on top of their game he was like renowned as one of the greatest animal trainers like they would bring in actual government employees from other prisons to have he would basically have seminars at his prison about how to train your bloodhounds on how to track escapees and stuff what they didn't know is the whole time he was doing this he was training his bloodhounds to not track him so he would uh, he would discipline him for tracking them. He would discipline him for smelling them. And then 1948, he literally just walked off from the prison. And when they realized he was gone, and they tried to sick him, all of the bloodhounds would come back with their tails between their legs. <laughs> I, I love it. And their whole tracking policy was so dependent 
on the dogs. On the dogs that when the dogs couldn't track them, I mean, they listen, didn't have much. They didn't have much of an option. The man broke the Bronco at 16. Of course, prior he to train a couple <laughs> little hounds. Prior to breaking <laughs> funeral parlor, he was training the lions and the elephants and the. So yeah, at 16, his first job. Well, you know, like so earlier on when he got made the animal trainer, you said he has no qualifications for that, which was correct. He didn't. But now he's the blood. He's overqualified to train your fucking bloodhounds. Yeah, he's the 1925 fucking beastmaster. He's talking to animals like What's what's the guy in the news now? The 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 documentary uh Joe Exotic? Yeah, he was he was the original <laughs> Joe Exotic. Ken Exotic. <laughs> Exotic Kenny. This time he came up with the brilliant idea to not go back to the mountains and instead he opted to stay right in the Mississippi area where he hid out under the alias of, of Big Jim. I guess I should have put that with the AKAs then, Big Jim. Big Jim. No, but he's I, just on that side of the prison. He's like right outside the prison. He's so close to the prison that they're not looking. Well, earlier on we were making fun of how stupid his plans were. Getting a job training the bloodhounds and training the bloodhounds not to track you. Is one of the more slicker prison escapes. Well, and you can't even do your normal, like, at this point where you could throw in some hillbillies. Like, military guys were coming to him to train their military dog. Like, fooled the fucking warden three times. He got the trustee job three times. The last time he didn't even run, he just walked off. Like, you know what, man? Streetlights are on, but I ain't coming in, Mom. See ya. Even though he lived, he stayed in Mississippi, he would occasionally visit his family in Virginia and Tennessee, but he'd always come back to Mississippi. And in the late, late 40s, early 50s, he was placed on the FBI's 10 most wanted fugitives list. He made it to the FBI. He made it to the big time. But most of his dirt was done at that point after he killed the cops or whatever to get in prison. All these escapes are just, I'm just going out to visit. I, I would think that would have kind of died down. Like, hey. Just re-escaping. I, mean, I haven't shot a guy in 20 years. Not J. Edgar serious. Hoover should have called down there and, all right, dude, it's the third time. He walked off this time. He walked. <laughs> no, he's not going on the list. This is for, like, uh, the Cold War. We got Russian spies. World War II is just over. Like, no, we're not putting. This dude just goes camping with his family. No. He'll pop back up. Did you check the mountains? There's a good chance. He trained the fucking dogs you let him train to come piss on your shoe, Warden, and he walked away. He didn't even run. No, he's not going on the list. He would have spent the rest of his life a free man, but in 1956, a man informed law enforcement he thought he'd seen Kenny Wagner at the house of his former girlfriend. They went and raided the place, and they were captured Kenny Wagner Without incident, yeah. So that was what about ten years on the run? Was it? 40, yeah, this 40, 48. 48? Okay. So yeah, that was eight so, years so eight out eight that years time. On the run? So he spent eight years as Big Jim, okay. just out Big hanging, Jim. hanging out in Mississippi, banging motherfuckers, bitches, <laughs> make them piss them off to where they tell on you and shit. Now he's got to be at the age where he's like, "Fuck it, I just stay in. I'm not even walking. Away. <laughs> I'm not walking away this time." When they found him, like I said, he was arrested without incident. He was actually found to be seriously ill, and it's funny because it's like you're reading my notes. His actual quote was, he said, I'm very happy to be going back to Parchment. He was literally, he didn't want to live on the run no more. He was done. Well, three hots a cot. You get to play with the dogs. You get to, you know what I mean? 
Well, I mean, you know they're gonna make you trusty. As silly as right. as silly as this is, this award's probably like wait for him. Like, kitty man, I know you'd be back, man. All right, we need you to retrain the dogs so that they'll track you also. Now, if we send you out for the prison groceries, you promise you're gonna come back, right? So on his return, he was put back in charge of the prison butthouse. <laughs> Fucking somebody shoot me. This has got to be made up. Like. Uh, on March 9th, 1958, he was in very, very poor health. And he asked to be allowed to go pet the dogs one last time. Uh, they let him out. And he passed away from heart failure while playing with the Parchment Prison bloodhounds. Well, at least he went doing something he loved, you know, playing with the animals. You know, the ones that he trained, so. Yeah. Well, it's it's just ridiculous that, what do they say, fool me once, can't fool me again, whatever the George Bush quote was. <laughs> fool me six times? Uh, shame on both of us, because we're just playing a game here. But like, what it is, you fool me, you can't get fooled again. <laughs> so, they bring him back, now old and sick, after breaking out twice, and they're still like, well, I mean, yeah, for sure you're chaining the dogs, but. You really got to stop running away. Yeah, think about it. It's almost like an athlete or something, and the athletes, you know, always messing up or whatever. But he's the star player. Like you need him. <laughs> I mean, he go. It's it's John Jones. Yes, you know that's a good comparison. It's John Jones. If you're the UFC, do you get rid of? John? Of course you don't. That man is a a talent that comes around once a generation. Yeah, he's gonna do a little coke. He's gonna crash know, into crash. some people yeah, and shit. But you do that stuff when you're at the top of the heat. John shit Jones, happens. or is yeah, he the exactly. third Diaz brother? That's Kenny Diaz, like <laughs> Kenny Diaz. <laughs> yeah, at the end of the day, we we got a seminar about how to teach these bloodhounds, and Earl can't do it. So Kenny, you're up. Well, just like Andy Griffith too, like the old small town show, mm-hmm. like. The drunk just comes in at night after he gets drunk and locks himself in the cell, hangs the keys outside the window. Like... That's the story of Kenny Wagner. So say good night to the bad guy. Go on. The last time you're going to see a bad guy like this again, let me tell you. And two guns and Kenny and the Texas kid. Big Joe Smith when I escaped and lived next door to the prison. What's fucked up, the, the time that he escaped the longest was the time that he ran the f- least. The least. Yeah, the, you know? the shortest distance yeah. away. Yeah. yeah, so when he goes all the way to Mexico, he ends up caught again. But he just stayed right there. He, like, he broke out and stayed in Mississippi. You know well, but I when think? he went to Mexico, he became one of the most feared Mexican train robbers. Like... Kenny Smith. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, that's what I, I was going to say. I think what it was, staying in Mississippi, he went by a different name, and I think he just had to lay really low, mm-hmm. and keep a low profile, and not do any of the things he would normally do because he's too close to the situation. That's probably what kept him out longer. Had he went to, like, um, whatever, Nevada, yeah, he would have been robbing trains again and got caught. <laughs> well, he, it also turned out to be old and sick, so that probably had something to do with it. That's you know what I mean? Too. He did, probably just didn't have that get up and mm-hmm. get up and go that That's he used to have too. to, you know? like what, was, what year was he born again? So what was old? What, what is this guy, like 50? He's 19, he was born in 1903. He yeah. died at 55. Yeah, so, like, he was, like... 52? Yeah, so he's like 55. 52. You said he died in, in 55, right? In fi- no, he died in 58. 
Oh, he died. Oh, again. so he, he he died at 55. at fifty five. Yes. Okay. You know, when you're six two two sixty back then, that's yeah. you know that's like that's clinically old, obese. Yeah. You know what I mean? He was that's, right. that's like a hundred. That's and, morbidly obese back yeah. there. You know, that's a that's a hundred and fifties years. <laughs> All right, so I don't know that there was anybody. If he's gonna cover somebody else from this uh, episode, who would it be? But there really wasn't too many other criminals, really. I don't think was there. The only thing that we didn't hear about, and I'm guessing you just didn't find enough information. And for me, it would have been something that's important when we actually judge him as a bad guy. Was those two brothers? That's mm-hmm. the only thing we don't have any information about. That if it was out there, I would like to know because, other than that, I just don't think he's a bad guy. This story mm-hmm. too with the names, there wasn't like uh, a lot of other guys will have. Well, so and so or Bugs, you know, was back this far. There was no other names mentioned in the story. The only thing that would be compelling is if he wasn't just a fat typical the cop that he was in business with in the moonshine business, the original partner. There you go. See how that went. Cause what if he was a, not as big, but like kind of slender, like better looking fellow, you know, same age ish. And they started the business to get what, like what that really get that cop side of the story. Maybe, you know, you're right. Our comedic sense made him out to be a, a a goofball, like a, a boss hog type, deal but like we never got no pictures or we never knew his name we don't he could be just as interesting as jim bob well and we don't have that story he left the circus he became a moonshiner making him run in moonshine and then he did that for six years and then there's the then there's 1924 chaos so yeah that's five years which we've done whole episodes on guys that were at it for like 13 months and shit like that (laughs) you know what i'm saying so just having a five-year moonshine operation like they could have been legit running shit at that point so yeah yeah, that's not bad no i did have a second choice down there i was thinking i mentioned in the trick shooting part way earlier about like annie oakley way down in this backwoods part of the land which is still kind of backwoods now in 2020 the chick sheriff that was going to be like, well, we'll turn him uh, in over here because there weren't too many mm-hmm. chick sheriffs down there. Like, they just don't. That's true. A female sheriff in the To 19- this day, if you tell Arkansas, like, hey, the... we're going to elect, a like, a, a female sheriff over my dead body, you ain't and no woman going to be running on me. Now. Yeah. I think, yeah, this was in the 40s by no, the time. But, no, yeah, she, no, it was still 1926 when she, it was Lily Barber, the first that's big right. one. So that's we're just right. past suffrage. Right. They just... You know, like she as might a gender, the they just started the, uh, yeah. they just weren't too far into being able to vote in, mm-hmm. I guess you can talk when we go out in public, girl, like, are you, what, you're a sheriff? Like, actually looking into it, that was something that was kind of interesting. There was stories that said, like, her husband was a sheriff that killed a duty. There was a story that she fucking. She fed that, him to a tiger. Well, right. Like, it was just all kinds of shit. So, yeah, that's actually kind of crazy that there was a lady sheriff not in just a lady sheriff in arc and in arkansas like well, she we had to be a, a badass we... so now we got to cast this we've told the story at some point when you're seeing a story you kind of picture the guy in your mind so say we're going to make a movie about kenny wagner who would you cast to play him we haven't i haven't shown a picture yet we have a picture available, but before we do, do you guys got a pre-gus? Hmm. go ahead dc i'll let you go first let's see and, and on this show, we do have the DC 
exemption. So since he doesn't watch barely any TV or movies, he is allowed to also just supplement athletes, any athlete he knows. We have a we have <laughs> a couple of uh, people on the team that are anti uh, TV. So well, and I actually believe the last time you two were on a sh- on an episode together, you picked Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> to, to play Cherokee Bill, so that's true. I mean, that's true. so I mean, just I don't. Which famous person? Yes. You... That's true. But no, actually, the the whole time, I was really thinking of a um, a, um, a Matthew McConaughey type of uh, type of guy for it. I, I'm not sure if Matthew is quite that tall, but I think that type of frame, and then you keep hearing that he's a he was a good-looking guy and everything like that. So that's the person that came to mind. And I think Matthew McConaughey, he has that type of um, that type of demeanor that's a charm. Because mm-hmm. as I said, I think this guy had to be really charming for, you know, some of the situations he got himself into and out of. You don't get made a trustee four different times at a prison you keep breaking out of. <laughs> well, so I think Matthew McConaughey, he definitely could do – you know the southern thing or whatever mm-hmm. yes and he can do the charming the ladies man obviously he could play that role mm-hmm. even though he doesn't have the big physically imposing he could probably pull off like a, a fight club brad pitt mm-hmm. like a lean ripped uh mm-hmm. you know what i mean like yeah at the end of the day it is acting plus i think i think he he has the type of frame that could hold you know we're, we're talking about an old school 260 uh you know as you mentioned before it's like the the guy that worked on the farm or the guy that did these, yeah. you know, they're lifting and it's a different, it's not like today's either very fat or very ripped steroid to two sixty. you know, it's, it's a different looking frame. And I think he has the kind of frame that would be able to pull off getting some bulk on him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. For sure. Well, and after he's never looked quite the same after Dallas buyers club. So mm-hmm. maybe this is the role he needs to, <laughs> to put some weight on and uh... to, to start looking like the Magana. Hey, we all know and love again. Yes. The one that can be seen without a t-shirt, not like, Oh fuck. He needs a cheeseburger. <laughs> so what do you think? J bone, you got anything? Uh, yeah. I, I'm thinking the whole story. I had this pictured back in the beginning, like, um, Josh Brolin out of the Thanos type with that, like, greasy's 1950-ish looking slick back hair but mm-hmm. he's got like a lot of the features dc mentioned about like country enough farm boy enough and big enough if you put yeah. that actor josh brolin back in this time he's gonna stick out the size why now i have no idea i haven't seen a picture of the dude if he's got the slick back hair i'm picture i'm thinking that's gonna be pretty spot on yeah, these uh, are so I mean, fun because they say, man, sometimes it's like an old fat little guy. Like, what, dude? That doesn't yeah, I mean, match I, the fucking story. I like, I like Josh Brolin. I mean, well, Josh Brolin's one of these actors where I mean, I can go with Josh Brolin almost anything. Well, a lot of them, like for the fans at home, like they probably realize, like, man, Tom Hardy makes it a lot. Uh, Josh Brolin, like, there's not, we don't pick the same guys all the time, but like, well, okay, the moral of the story is how we came up with this segment is based on a guy that. Hollywood always cast as a great looking, you know, brat pack type dude. Yeah. But in reality, there's a lot of just big, ugly motherfuckers in the world. And we always pick Tom Hardy, Christian Bale, these handful of guys. In reality, these guys look like a, a lot. There's a lot of Steve Buscemi's and regular guys out there. But this is a picture of Kenny Wagner. By the way, I like your uh, Josh Brolin. Uh, I, I had to Google him, of course. Okay. I like that. And actually, looking at this picture, 
I think it's even more fitting. He doesn't look like a very tall guy as far as this like one kind of has the Josh Brolin look. And then the, yeah, for the I people agree. at home, this, when you look at it on Instagram, this picture over here more like uh, almost like your McConaughey and uh, Charlie Sheen had a kid like like blending <laughs> like I think under in this first picture with the hair, he kind of looks like show contributor Bugs. Well, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Got. I had to Google uh, Brolin, but I'm looking at several pictures of him, and especially this picture on the uh, on the right of two guns. Absolutely, I think uh, Brolin can play him. Once you see a pictures of him, we can definitely see that that's an imposing six two two sixty because that's not a that's not a fat guy. So exactly. A... I mean, full you can see you know full jawline looks pretty chiseled. He definitely doesn't look like a fat guy. Once again, of course. Play along with us, follow along with everything, go and look at the social media, you'll be able to uh, see the pictures. And man, the suits and like uh, all, he's from the backwood, you know, Appalachia's pretty like primitive even today. He doesn't look like a backwoods hill, but he looks like well-groomed, like well-made, like a good looking dude almost, so to speak, like. For the record, I told you on page one of the notes that he was a good-looking Okay, now for the fun of it, for people looking back in the catalogs and playing back episodes, man, a lot of times, for the time and era, he was a good-looking guy, and then you get to the picture, it's like, God damn, bro, that one dude looked like fucking Stan Van Gundy, like, he was a good-looking guy, old fat man with a little Hitler mustache, like, what the fuck, this dude looks like, if he was in our time, like, he could be in a movie, don't he look, like, well-groomed? He looks like a... He looks like a movie star still today. Yeah, the pictures almost look like modern-esque, you know? Like, yeah. I mean, I guess that is unfair to me to act like I told you. I like, told you he was a good-looking... You said fucking Every episode, they're they're all described as, like, tall or athletic or some shit, and then you see the picture, you're like, what the fuck is going on? Well, no, in 1843, like, that's what built was. Like, that Stan Van Gundy look. The wife beater, the fucking hairy chest sticking out. Play reverse of the game before we do the story, if it's a different type thing. You just show that picture and be like, guess where... Well, he looks like either like a Detroit Purple Gang uh, or a New yeah, York, like a Chicago, Chicago, New York mob yeah, guy. Like an outfit he guy. doesn't look like a yeah. He looks like an outfit guy. In the meantime, he was in Mississippi, Tennessee, Arkansas. Like he was strictly. Yeah. I would say either that or he looks like a guy you know back in those days that would run the big scams on the guys that had the money. Yeah. You know he kind of looks like one of those guys. He def- definitely doesn't look like a mountain or you know, kind of backwoods or circus kind of guy. So you can see where, yeah, he shows up at the warden's office. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, man. Like, my sister had to, you know, my sister. I'm getting here, Kenny, man. You know you're going to be training the dogs tomorrow, man, but you cannot run away. Man, that's the fourth time you did it, man. You can't even walk away. Come on, Kenny. (laughs) By God, I love you like a brother, man, but you train the dogs to not chase you. I went to sick him on you, man. I pissed on my boot. <laughs> like, what the hell? You trained the dogs to not chase everybody but you? Like, That was one thing that was, like, really, really smart that he did. And you have to think ahead and be smart. You're like, okay, I know I'm going to escape. I know this. And I know <laughs> For sure, I train thing. dogs better than anybody else. And these dogs I train will find anybody within <laughs> minutes. How do they not find me? <laughs> And then you go down the road of understanding dogs. Okay, I want you to track me. Bad dog. Okay, track me again. Bad dog. (laughs) Pretty soon, they won't track you. So now we got to go to the DEFCON scale. 
Standard DEFCON scale is 5 to 1. 5 being the lowest, 1 being the highest. Now, in the Bad Guy podcast, nobody's a good guy or we wouldn't cover him. So, 5 is Lee Murray, who is your crack-dealing, kidnapping, bank robber. Then you got number 1, who's the Purple Gang, who's doing multiple massacres, multiple gang wars, and they're killing people on the streets. So, on a scale of Lee Murray to the Purple Gang, where would you rate Kenny Wagner? You want to shoot first, DC? If you want. <laughs> it's up to you. I'll, I'll go ahead and take the first one. Um, so, I don't think it's a surprise to anybody in the audience here. I really don't think he's a bad guy. I can't give him a five. Only because he does have... I lost count. I think about six murders. But... We're at five murders and a shot in the face. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all but, cops, which could have came from one big crooked exactly. cop family, so... The two guys at the bar was a thing. Right, and that's bad, what I was going to say. We don't know so. that them brothers weren't assholes, though. That's so. true. But I no, will I'm give him you. a four. And it's only because I think really most of his situation really came about. It was more like kind of a self-defense. And, you know, that whole watch thing, he leaves the circus. He becomes a, a high-level bootlegger making all kinds of money. He steals a watch that doesn't make sense. Goes to jail. He never comes out and be a thief again, which further leads me to believe that he really was framed by the officer who was his partner, which means after that, he really was defending himself against people that were trying to kill him. Now, the caveat is those two brothers, which we don't know kind of the story behind that, and just the fact that he really did kill a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, so, for that reason, I give him a four instead of a five, but uh, he was on the borderline. Right on. Good call. I'm going to go ahead and give him the five because we don't know the background of the brothers. But the things that in the beginning, not in the beginning, but during the story where that were lending to him, this outcome, him being definitely on this side of the three from all of us, Mm -hmm. he was a goodish guy, but like the setting up a non-family member to get the money back when the reward, the planning ahead to train the dogs because I'm going to escape, but not right now. So he seemed to be methodical and thought out, but no... None of his story is very um, psychoactive. Like he's not, he's not out collecting money. Like I want my fucking money. But he's never killing for the re- like a nefarious mm-hmm. reason. It's all self defense, except the two brothers. Mm-hmm. And I would never glorify killing cops. That's mostly the end of people's story in these casts. But mm-hmm. uh, crooked or not, he could have killed. Like when he shot the dude in the face and the other two. Yeah, two of them died. He could have killed them all, you know, so there was uh, signs of compassion, signs of uh, strategy and thought outness. Like, Mm -hmm. I think he gets he gets a five just for that reason. Now, the brothers, they're not saying they deserved it or didn't, but we don't know enough of the background. Mm -hmm. I'm given decent qualities about this guy. He wasn't a saint or he wouldn't be on the show, but right. A lot of guys come right on, right off rip, and they're like <laughs> yanking somebody's fucking tooth out with players and beating them because he owed them twenty grand or something. Like, none of a lot of that's void from the story. You know, it's it's really hard when you clearly could avoid a situation, but you get into it because your little sister's the first one to graduate, mm-hmm. so you gotta show up. Well, how can I at least get her to college? Like, fuck, man, you know, you know, you're not supposed to be putting up all these bodies, but mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of kind of hard to hate them you know body count wise i can't do a five there's some bodies there 
he's got a body count that could get him a three or a two easily. But yes. I think he also has a background that uh, I'm going to have to go with a four because I can't push him on that side of the scale because I just don't think, you know, he robbed some banks, he did some crimes and shit. He's not a saint. He could have did a lot worse. I think I'm going to have to go with a four also. And on the podcast, we do standard MMA scoring. It's funny that we mod- we we go after that because it's the worst scoring system in the world. So, I mean, I could have picked any scoring system that actually works and went with that. But instead, I was like, you know, what's a dysfunctional-ass scoring system? The yeah, MMA we got to be a little college <laughs> yes. football-esque. Like, yep, the computers voted them number one, but Jay says they're number three this week. Well, I, I think that's actually better, though, So that because le- that leaves some debate up for everybody. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to go with the four. So, yeah, standard MMA scoring puts him at a DEFCON four. They're moving in. I say we go to DEFCON four. Nice. Before we go, we got to do some listener feedback. And we don't have any emails this week. But we have a couple reviews. Now, if you go to iTunes, leave us a five-star rating and leave a review. We'll read it on the air. Or you can email us at say hello to the bad guy podcast at gmail.com. And if you have a question, correction, a comment, a recommendation for a guy that you want us to cover, just send us an email. So our first review this week is from 5XPiggy5X. It says, entertaining and informative. I love the concept of this podcast and they execute it very well. It's entertaining to listen to. Keeps you laughing and teaches you about those criminals and mob bosses you might not have heard of. A cool twist on the crime podcast world. When we first started doing this, you know, I said, there's a lot of people, everybody's covered Al Capone, everybody's covered Billy the Kid, you know. Honestly, I feel like it's getting to the point where at some point I could be covering those guys too because I think there's, you know, put our spin on it. So it's not that we couldn't cover those guys, but like Al Capone, there's five movies you can go watch on them, you know. We'll cover, and, like, we'll cover so Kenny funny. Wagner. You use that as the example. like, And it's going to be good. He's a good actor. There's a new Scarface coming out with Tom Hardy. So, like, yeah. on top of the 11 already, like, <laughs> critically acclaimed, award-winning El Capone movies there are, and we all love Uncle Al. It's just, like, that, that listener hit it right on the head what the show's about. Like, if we were doing the Frank and Jesse James gang this week, it wouldn't be on Frank or Jesse. It'd be about some other members. You know what I mean? So... Like that that guy right there, that person, girl, whoever, Piggy X Five X's gets it because that's what we conceptualized when he came up with the show. That's what it was. Like, uh, that's part of it. Like, well, because like if you did Scarface too, that that segment right there, like, who would you get to play him? Guys that have already played him. Like. <laughs> <laughs> you got Tom Hardy. You got Robert De Niro. Like, who the fuck else are you gonna pick? Yeah, that's better you know, than those guys. Exactly. You know. Plus, not to mention, listening to us, I mean, how many times do you get a chance to listen to your buddies drinking, smoking, you know, the same type of guys that you would sit around and, uh, you know, shoot the shit with anyway and just kind of talk bad guys and, and give you information about guys that you didn't know. You know, it's perfect time to sit back, grab you a smoke, grab you a drink, <laughs> and uh, especially if you're in a craft beer like us and play along. So I got this friend group that, you know, it's super diverse and everybody's kind of interesting and funny, you know, and we're always hanging out, drinking and smoking and eating and shit like that. And way before this was a podcast, I just always be running my mouth and then my (laughs) funny as fuck friends just be talking about it and shit. And I thought, well, 
I mean, there's a lot of podcasts that could be a podcast. All right, and our next review is from J Frame Z. It says, "Super cool, cool podcast. Everyone should take a listen." I agree. So <laughs> nice, short, sweet, <laughs> to the point. <laughs> we we already covered that, and I agree with J Frame Z, like yes. for sure. Now we don't have any emails this week, but like I said, send us an email. We'll read it on the podcast. Before we wrap this up, you guys got anything? Not really. Just thanks for listening. See you, everybody, next week. Absolutely. Definitely, um, in your feedback, whether it's on iTunes and different things like that, give us feedback. But also, you know, don't be afraid on social media. Put your bid in for, you know, who you think should play certain people as you listen. What number would you give them? Things of that sort. We're interested in also hearing what you all think. So, you know, but other than that, uh, we, we definitely thank you for listening. And, uh, of course, all the people that lock rolled out in the beginning, uh, six folks, Swaino, uh, who did the art again cancer. and cancer for the art. And, uh, don't forget to check out his new music. Uh, thank those guys because I think everything they did is so great and so fitting for the podcast. I got this the other day. I went to bed, woke up to a voicemail. My buddy, he's a long haul truck driver. Call me when you get a chant. We got a beef. <laughs> I'm like, ah, okay. So this is what I wake up to. This guy's been driving overnight, listening to the podcast, <laughs> bitching about whatever. I call him, and he is furious that we called him a DEFCON 2. Mm-hmm. And he he determined for sure that that's his favorite episode and his favorite guy. Mm-hmm. And he's a DEFCON 1. Mm-hmm. And, and he starts breaking it down to me. And like you said, like, you know what? You know, go to the Instagram, send us an email, mm-hmm. whatever. Clearly you're one. What were you guys thinking? Well, so th- those two segments are set up like that. If you're three, you and your three friends are at home in the basement listening, you pause it right then, and then you get Charlie. You know, you guys get your guests there. Mm-hmm. And then the same thing, you know, then in the feedback, you could send us, well, my cousin picked this guy, and he said, the, the one, the picking the guy to cast it without seeing a don't cheat and look at a picture prior to that point in the cast. That's a rough one, man. I lucked out with the Brolin, but... Well, and, and it happens every once in a while, but most of the time, it's, it's harder than you think. Like, yes. you always think, like, oh, yes. I can do that, and yes. then until you see the picture for the first time. I agree. Well, but, that one guy I said looks like Stan Van Gundy, like, unless you said, like, I have no idea what this person looks like off the description. I'm going to pick, man, Ron Jeremy to play him. Like, you, you wouldn't have been nowhere near the fucking, like... <laughs> Ron Jeremy... <laughs> Well, and if you were listening to it, and when it's come to the casting part, you came up with Ron Jeremy, you need to get out more. <laughs> yes. Like that's, that's not good. That's not a good sign. And so that's... All right. Well, uh, this is Say Hello to the Bad Guy. Thanks for coming, and thanks for listening. Say hello to the bad guy, bad guy. The good guy coming last place Smell that dope when I pass by I let my money at a fast pace Say hello to the bad guy The good guy coming last place Smell that dope when I pass by I let my money at a fast pace We was down bad, my mama had
had to be dad Spent my birthdays in the trap We had to work with what we had She been working on a raise While trying to raise me like a man Plus my daddy in the box And all my cousins in the cam, man And I don't need a hundred friends I just want a hundred bands A hundred jugs, a hundred scams, ay, ay. So I don't money grab the hundred hams I done money grabbed a bunch of And bands. I ain't wanna fall victim to that system or the pistols Fuck a judge with a grudge, I'm blowing crud for my mental life ay. And I still keep it on me, run and tell your big homie First you meet your dead homie, ay. yeah Say hello to the bad guy, bad guy. The good guy come in last place You smell that dope when I pass by I like my money at a fast pace